I didn't hear what you said, Tone. So I'm going to talk fast. The guy you're looking for is an ex-commando. He killed 16 Chechen rebels single-handed. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, nice, huh? He was with the Interior Ministry. Guy's some kind of Russian Green Beret. This guy cannot come back to tell this story. You understand? I hear you. There he is, Paulie. Tone? Tone, you there? I d fuck! Call me back! You're not gonna believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Guy was an interior decorator. His house looked like shit. Yeah, it did, but he had a great entertainment center with a universal remote. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. I'm Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 37 episodes of The Sopranos, and so have you, dear listener, if you're coming along with us. Now, Jim did hype this one up for me. He said, we're going to come to a classic, and having watched it, I can see why it makes sense. What a great episode. Who wrote and directed it, though? That's what I'm wondering. Yes, we are at the infamous Pine Barrens episode, uh, the 11th episode of season three, written by Terrence Winter from a story idea by Tim Van Patten. Uh, and the first of four episodes to be directed by actor Steve Buscemi, who may or may Ooh. not show up on The Sopranos one day. <gasps> cool. And he directed three more episodes, as far as <clears throat> I'm aware, just from uh, the Wikipedia, uh, where we get all our information. Yeah. Um, but yes, Pine Barrens. Um, couldn't tell quite from the start that it would be a classic episode. Do you want to go through it beat by beat, or do you want to talk some general stuff first? Uh, let's talk some general stuff first, because yeah, I I, I was very um, I was very curious to if this episode still plays well or how it would play to your newbie eyes because yes it's a listed um tv guide 65 best episodes of the 21st century it is number four although it did lose out yeah. to the reigns of castamere game of thrones episode season three episode nine i don't know offhand which one that is uh well, Jacob? i do know but i won't say just in case oh okay looking at it, all right i know which one it is now uh the the lost pilot which uh, i mean Maybe it's because of the history has not been kind to Lost, but Lost was a great show. Yeah. And then they have number one at uh, the Ozymandias episode of Breaking Bad. Uh, to round out the sense. top five, the one that Pine Barrens did beat was Once More with Feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which, while I love that episode, I don't, I wouldn't agree that it's the best episode of Buffy. I'd put maybe Hush or something like that in there. But anyways, Pine Barrens. Uh, this is one of the episodes when you talk about Sopranos, Entertainment Weekly. Oh, no, Time Magazine has it as the number two uh, episode of Sopranos behind the college episode, which we've already seen. Mm. Uh, those are, I mean, yeah. these are two very kind of standalone episodes. Maybe not kind of. They are standalone episodes for the most part. Uh, I remember college didn't quite register with you because remember i even told you that like oh this next episode is thought of as one of the sopranos episodes how do you think it stacks up to that 
Um, uh, well, actually, even with college, I can see why. With this one, even though I really liked it when I went to the Wikipedia, and it was like one of the most critically acclaimed episodes ever, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, mm. it makes sense, I guess, but I wasn't like, my mind's fucking blown over here. <laughs> but I can see why, because it's such a departure, and it's something different, and it's so fun, and it's so well put together. Um, so, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with classifying it like that um it is it is very entertaining like that's my main thing like this is such a fun episode to watch with so many great moments so i was thinking more about that than like oh damn this deserves every award in the bucket yeah the yeah award that, bucket, that, that is that makes sense um and yeah i guess kind of the the history behind the episode is that uh um yeah, Tim Van Patten, it was like a dream he had. I guess he says that when he grew up, uh, growing up, his uh, dad used to take him and his brother to Atlantic City. And on the way down, they'd always try to make an adventure out of it. They'd stop off at the Pine Barrens, and he'd tell them crazy stories about the Jersey Devil, half man, half beast, uh, living there. And it was a spooky place with a kind of magic in it. So I was lying in bed, and I sort of half dreamed this idea of Christopher and Polly being lost in the woods. Uh, and he told mm-hmm. Terrence Winter, one of the producers and also writer, I believe who wrote the episode. Um, and he said, if you don't go into David's office and tell him this idea, I'm going to steal it and I'm going to do it myself. And uh, they came up with the idea during season two and they found a spot for it here in season three. And Steve Buscemi was picked to direct it. It was the on paper. They're like, oh, this is easy. This is an easy uh, episode, short and simple. But it was the first episode to take 12 days to shoot. At the time, one of the longest yeah. uh, production pieces for The Sopranos. I assume that means later episodes. Maybe there's some that are longer. Um, mm-hmm. But there's one other thing here. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, they uh, they had to film it in New York. So, like, the woods don't match up with the actual Pine Barrens. It's mostly pine trees. Uh, and it's a little yeah. more dense. But I guess the New Jersey, the Essex County executive james treffinger denied their permit saying that the sopranos depicts an ethnic group in stereotypical fashion treffinger was later (laughs) convicted and imprisoned for corruption (laughs) so great yes (laughs) oh that's so great amazing oh Uh, i love wikipedia uh this is my first thought on that and also I swear to God, Michael Imperioli wrote an episode that also came from like a dream. Like, how is this how these people come up with ideas? Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, there was um, what was the first? Oh, it, I think was it the kind of the when Hollywood stuff or? Oh no, no, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah, when he got shot. No, you're right. When it, he okay. kind of had a dream that Christopher has a near death experience, and that's where all that came from. Yeah, so they apparently like we're doing it the wrong way with our writing. We should just sleep more, and we'll we'll be famous writers in no time. Apparently, uh, and award winning, I assume. This is a great episode, though. So uh, they all did the right thing in uh, pitching it, getting it done. Because even though now, no, I'm I even though nothing, it's just a great episode. Yes, and then Alan Taylor, the director, he won a. Uh, an Emmy for a later episode, a show from the sixth season. But in his speech, he specifically called out this episode. Uh, although well, Alan I did it better on that one. <laughs> <laughs> although Alan Taylor, who directed a lot of great episodes of TV uh, and also directed um, episodes, I believe, yeah, Mad Men and of Game of Thrones, his movie output is pretty bad. 
Um, he he directed that Terminator Genesis movie that came out a few years ago. He directed Thor 2, The Dark World. So maybe we shouldn't listen to him. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so yeah, here we go. The, let's. Uh, I, w- was there any other thoughts? Like hearing now that this is one of those episodes, like you said, I guess you said you understand it, but it was it didn't quite hit you the same when you watched it. No, it, it was a great episode. It, it, it is a great episode. I don't know if I'll ever watch an episode. It, the thing is, it's not. If you compare it to the episode of Breaking Bad that I, was the number one spot there, if you watch, uh, I'm not going to say what happens in it, but you watch that episode and you're like, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. this is one of the best pieces of television I've ever seen. I, all I'm saying is, I didn't have that reaction here. I was just yeah. like, wow, this is a great episode, you know? Agreed. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Although I guess to, I mean, that, I mean, the Breaking Bad episode is great. Although it's not, I feel like you could take this episode of Sopranos and show it to somebody who hasn't watched any of the Sopranos. I don't know if you could necessarily do that with that episode of Breaking Bad. I mean, you could. No, that's true, but that also also means, though, that there's not as much happening in this episode as there is in Breaking Bad. Though I totally agree, like, this is... A, a very solid piece of television yeah. um, and extremely entertaining. And I can see as well why it sticks out because it's got this unique, like, men trapped on a desert island type feeling, but they've tied that in with the locations around Jersey and, and New Jersey and, like, everything to do with their personalities. And they still have cell phones, but they can't call for help because they're there to murder someone. <laughs> it's just such a fun situation. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's uh, very good. Let's get into the details. Yes. Now, and uh, to your point, like, the way it starts, because we got the Stugatz boat and Gloria shows up, and it's a bit on the nose because the song playing is Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, which then beca- it becomes a diegetic piece of music, uh, if I could use a nice word there, because the mm-hmm. song's playing, but then, you know, she walks onto the boat to look for Tony or whatever, but then she turns down the radio like it was just playing the whole time, which, fine, yeah. I guess, it's a weird detail, but to me, it was weird. I was like, oh, okay, so that was just playing in the real world. Uh, because then she's interrupted by the phone that she answers, and it's Tony's old guma, Arena. Yeah, I was just like, wow, you can have a phone on a boat? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, that's what I took away from that. Uh, it is, I guess it makes sense that she turned it off, because that means Tony started playing that song, so he's the weird sap, rather than the people editing it, going like, Gloria, get it? He's <laughs> he's really like putting on a song with her name, knowing that she's going to walk in while he's out to get ice, apparently. Um, so that's on him. Yeah, very true. Yeah, Tony's just all getting in the mood. Gloria's coming over. Let's play Gloria. <laughs> Uh, and yes, yeah, so in a weird way, like it's not quite his fault what's happening here because Arena says she's from the school. Tony initially goes along with that, but then he does come clean and he says, look, that was an old girlfriend. Gloria gets very upset and she does make a great point where he's like, I didn't want to piss you off. And she's like, well, that's more about you than it is about me. She throws his yeah. present out of the boat into the water and storms away. Um, now Tony reads this like really as like, holy shit, this is crazy. Now I guess it is crazy, but is it that crazy? Um, well, does she know he's married? I, does she? She must, right? That, well, cause he talks about his family like later on when he's late. So, I mean, yeah. I guess she is aware. 
and like in when they're at the zoo, she asks like, "Do you bring your kids here?" So yes, yeah. one would assume. Um, but yeah, she she um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, if you're having an affair with someone. Are you that surprised? But uh, she is. Well, I guess my vulnerable. well, because later on we see where he's kind of like you know, one minute she's freaking out, one minute even before it gets to their like their climax later in this episode. Um, but I guess it's because I'm used to seeing when he's with when he's with his Russian guma Arena. It seemed like she would be like crazy sometimes too, you know. So I guess yeah. I just assumed Tony would assume that's kind of par for the course, but maybe because. Gloria has this nice job. She is more put together. She goes on her own trip to Morocco. He feels like it's going to be different or something. Yeah, but he knows at the same time that she's in therapy. And uh, I mean, Melfi points it out later that like what actually made you pick her. Yes. Um, could it be something more than that? So yeah, that's all uh, interesting stuff. More interesting than that, Polly Walnuts is getting a manicure, um, <laughs> which is in great contrast. I didn't realize this until now, but like, it's such a like frivolous thing to get, and then compare that to almost starving to death and freezing to death in the woods. Oh yeah. So it's a it's a great contrast to have him just do this thing that he obviously doesn't need and he's there uh you know let's go with that finish and he's answering his phone and he just gets a bit annoyed that he has to go do something for silvio and i was like uh is silvio really sick what's going on is this some sort of political thing and then like he just silvio just hands him a note and i think it's because he can't talk because he actually (laughs) does have the flu yeah yeah I, i i read it as he he is sick but yeah i thought the same thing too are they doing some sort of move here uh, but no, Silvio's just got the flu. He's got to go home. He's 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 got a upset tummy and he can't talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we get to therapy where Melfi is there with both uh, Tony and Carmilla, and they're saying, "Ah, you know, it's it's going better. Uh, therapy's really helping, and we're not even fighting that much." And I'm like, "Did you watch the previous episode <laughs> where you were fighting? <laughs> like, how long has it really been since Christmas at this point? I'm not sure. Maybe that singing fish really brought them together." Yeah, yeah, because Carmilla was loving it. Uh, and yeah, they start talking about the Jackie Jr. situation um, and where what that means. And yeah, I guess that's where she points out that they're not, even though it's not like a cordial conversation they're having, but I guess they're not yelling at each other and she's not crying. So I guess that is progress uh, yeah. as far as therapy is concerned. And then we have Meadow and Jackie playing Scrabble. Uh, and he puts ass on the board and says, like, give me some. Just kidding. Unless you want to. Kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, because she's clearly sick. She looks like shit. <laughs> but he still just wants to fuck her. Like, <laughs> he's yeah, still... And she, yeah, well, good. <laughs> now, I was just going to say, at the same time, uh, she puts in oblique K. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. No Spanish allowed on the board, Beto. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, I've, I do feel like the Sopranos writers are very good at writing idiots. Um, yes. <laughs> cause it's, I mean, it, they are, it's just kind of an older AJ basically. Uh, cause it's just so on the nose that he's so dumb. Um, and one thing, uh, when she has to define the word oblique, uh, and granted, that's a word that I've heard. I would not have put that down in Scrabble. I would have been staring at all the letters, like, in the correct order, except one letter was misplaced, and I'd be like, oblique, oblique, like, I, I, 
I wouldn't have gotten it. But she says, come on, you're in college. So adding to our theory here, she still believes he's in Rutgers. So it does. I I think this supports the theory that he had her write a fake paper for no reason, just because he didn't want to tell her that he wasn't in college. So yes, I guess. even a bigger piece. <laughs> but of I, it shit. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He's not smart enough to, uh, to do that. But he did apparently, unless the timeline's just messed up. But no, I, I mean he's not smart enough to do that. But he's he's, I wouldn't say good liar, but he's good at just coming up with shit at the moment. We always see it when he's with Tony, and he's like, "Oh, T, my friends did this," or even the lies he tells Meadow. I could totally see her being like. How's school? Oh, and he'd be like, ah, oh, shit, I don't know. I got to write a paper on Edgar Allan Poe. I, I can't figure it out. She's like, oh, I can help you with it. And oh, uh, actually, can you do it? And even though he doesn't need to write an Edgar Allan Poe paper, and uh, she just wasted her time. But he's a selfish. You know what actually, ha- okay. what actually happened was that she uh, she said, oh, are we, are we not hanging out tomorrow, like you said? And he's like, no, I have to write this paper. Meanwhile, he's just off uh, fooling around with other yeah. girls. That's what's going on. And he's like, oh, I got to write that paper. And the next day, he's like, oh, I didn't finish that paper. I'm going to work on it. Go home and work on it. She's like, I'll just write it for you, okay? Yeah. And he's like, uh, sure. You know what? I think this it should have been the telltale Edgar Allan Poe paper. That's <laughs> what it should have yeah. been. Exactly. Um, is, we cracked the case, I feel. I, I know we asked you all last week to send in your emails. Just don't, because we cracked the case. And, I mean, yeah, Jackie's just selfish, because Meadow, I mean, you're sick, and, and when you're in a relationship, it's nice when, you know, your partner takes care of you, and you could tell she wants that, or at least spend some time while she's trying to get through her flu. She, she got it from Silvio somehow. It's things going around. Uh, but he just makes an excuse. Oh, yeah, I'm beat. I got to get going. You know, maybe tomorrow night, since you're not going to give me your sick ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's some sick ass that he really wants to tap, but no. Well, speaking of them being great at writing idiots, next scene starts with Polly and Christopher. And uh, they're arguing about the Russians, how those cocksuckers moved nuclear warheads into Cuba, pointed them right at us, and Christopher says, that was real? I saw that movie. I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. So... Lest we forget, he may be a made man, but uh, he he was once uh, Jackie Jr. and still is at heart. It is almost like every character was once AJ and Jackie Jr., but they somehow (laughs) got over it. It just, you know, can Jackie Jr. get past being himself right now? Uh, And then, yeah, Paulie's got a chip on his shoulder. Like, it's it's weird because Ralphie hasn't been around, but his presence is there. It's It's so bizarre because... Don't really see Polly and Ralphie interact at all, but they've made mention in the past. Polly was ready to be like, "Yeah, we need to whack this fuck," and then Sylvia made mention it's because Ralphie makes so much money, and here he is, yeah. kind of got a chip on his shoulder about that, and basically having to run an errand that he feels is below him. Uh, a few times in this episode, Polly talks about being a captain, and I've been thinking about that. So, what is his crew? I, I, I mean, if he's a captain, shouldn't he have a crew? I don't know. He's just, you know, it's it, Captain Jack was still Captain Jack when he s- sailed into St. Port Royal uh, on a sinking ship. You know, you can't take that away from him. I've never seen him boss anyone around except Christopher. So I guess Chris yeah. is on his crew. Is it kind of like 
since they're in Tony's crew, but Tony's the boss, technically Polly is the one they report to, maybe? That's the only thing I no, could really it's gonna think. Be, no, no, it's going to be next season, there's going to be like eight new characters who are all like, oh, Jimmy the Bean, Johnny the Waffle Iron, like, <laughs> yeah. you've all been here since season one, you're in uh, you're in Polly's crew, and then it's like, we're worried about Polly's crew, and we're going to see 18 guys sitting there yeah. like, yeah, we've all been here all along. We've been here the whole time. I mean, yeah. I guess they, they, they did have that scene... I believe that was was it this season when Tony says like you're getting a bump up when he brought mm-hmm. him to the statue. So yeah. I mean I guess that's kind of why he's a captain. I just I was just confused on if he had a crew or not. But either way, he's very you know um, very bitter about having to go pick this money up, which should be such an easy thing. But when you're Polly Walnuts, you have to fucking make a big deal out of it. Uh, yeah. And I- I'm not even kidding though. Christopher is on his crew, right? Because he gives him the money, and then yeah, Polly gives it to Tony. So you know he's got one made man under him at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess because he's the one that he reports to, and he gives and that him guy peace. that that guy who's a twin of the guy they whacked. He was coming with him to to Christopher's place to pick up the shoes, so he's in his crew. I bet. Yeah, yeah. I guess it is kind of like Tony's crew is Polly's crew because Tony's technically yeah. the boss of all of them. Um, but who's Sylvia? I mean, Silvio's crew. Then I I don't know. We know we don't I need mean, to make a. Sil is kind of like the consigliere. He's like the main advisor for Tony. So, but I don't know. Maybe does he still have to kick up to Polly? I guess not. No, I, I meant. I think he's a captain. Oh yes, he? and that I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I'm not going to we'll Google it because I'm sure uh, yeah. my face will just be inundated with spoilers. Uh, so I'll just leave it. And I'll say for now uh, that Paulie does have a chip on his shoulder. He really wants to fuck with this uh, Russian who, to be fair, told him to put back a thing where he found it so he should die. <laughs> um, he does throw the universal remote. He, he, he's the first. I've never seen a collection in the Sopranos go like, where's the money? And they're like, it's right there. Like, it's never <laughs> happened before, and yeah. still they managed to escalate it. Well, and because Polly is really good at, too, even before any of that, uh, he just makes those jokes that are, you know, he's being a dick, where uh, yep. he says something like, you know, where are the other 30 people that live here? <laughs> Does yeah. his Polly laugh about it? Uh, and then, yeah, he's annoyed that the Russian has a nice, like, home entertainment system, and he's confused yep. by the universal remote. I guess at the time, a universal remote was a new thing, but I don't... I mean, I guess that style of universal remote, maybe. And he... Uh, it still looks weird to me. Yeah. Put, put universal remote back in docking station. Uh, <laughs> tosses it on the floor. It's kind of cheap because it breaks immediately. And then, yeah, it gets crazy. He starts to get into a fight. Uh, Polly's like, yelling at Chris for a little help. Then Chris is getting attacked. <laughs> he needs a little help. Uh, then they, the Polly starts choking him with like a big lamp. Uh, Chris jumps on his, on his legs and they think that they broke his windpipe. Yeah. And to break down the steps of how this escalated, uh, he breaks the remote. The Russian guy says, you want to fuck here, cocksucker? You come into my house and he starts to stand up. Polly's like, what did you call me? And he pushes him down. And then I guess he does kind of try to get up again. But he doesn't do much. He just gets a bottle to the head immediately. Oh, that's right. But, yes. Yeah. But he is Russian, so he just keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps mm-hmm. going. Got that lamp. Uh, or What the fuck is it? I don't even know. Lamp? I guess it's a lamp. It's kind of like a uh, big lamp, but it looks heavy. And then he's choking yeah. him with it, but then when he gets on the ground, he's kind of like picking it up and like bashing it down on his neck. 
for the most part. Yeah, and they're like, oh yeah, his windpipe's cracked. He's <laughs> definitely dead now. And uh, I've seen Goodfellas. We've all seen uh, Goodfellas. He's not dead. He's so clearly not dead, but they they wrap him up with duct tape, throw him in the trunk. Like, for the next 10 minutes, I'm just like waiting for the banging to start so we can have a repeat of Goodfellas, which yeah. eventually kind of does happen. Yes, yeah. And then um, Tony's with Gloria. She's feeling very sheepish. She apologizes and gives him a gift it's what this big like moroccan hoodie like drug rug type thing that she gives him um and then he gets the call has to go in the bathroom trying to tell him about the problem and i love that like they're kind of talking in code and as we see later on like the code is so useless like when he's at home yelling about it uh but i it I love how it escalates through all these multiple calls to Tony and Tony's getting more and more annoyed because he has a meeting with uh, Slava or whatever his name is, uh, who's a friend of this Russian. And he doesn't know if, you know, he's walking into a fucking buzzsaw or something. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, there are instant, there are repeating instances where the phone is breaking up to hilarious effects. And, uh, uh, like that starts here. It's not because they're out in the middle of nowhere. It's like already bad connection, or maybe it's because he's flushing the toilet. I'm not sure. But either way, at times you start hearing like a radio or like other people talking on the phone. Yep. And granted, I was young, but I was alive at this time, and I believe I had calls on a phone, and that is not a thing that happened. You wouldn't start hearing other people's phone calls on your phone calls, that, right? That is a thing that used to happen. I don't remember being on cell phones, but I didn't I didn't have a cell phone until much later than this anyways. Mm. Even when yeah. it was kind of regular, I didn't have a cell phone until like the mid-aughts. But yeah. I do if you had court like a whole, a home cordless phone, this is a thing that would happen. Sometimes you would hear like a different conversation. Like you wouldn't be that very clear, but you could hear someone talking and like, oh, I'm getting interference on my cordless phone. Okay, weird. Because, well, to be fair, I I didn't have access to that technology at (laughs) the time, so I can't say for sure. But I also think uh, maybe telephone lines work differently in different countries because I've never heard of that. But it it was just kind of weird for me to like, suddenly you hear a different conversation. But hey, if you say so. It is it is a thing that would happen, and I I, I bet it did happen in early cell phones as well. I, I just I can't say for sure on that, but I do know it was a thing where sometimes you would pick up other conversations on like a cordless. Yeah, it just sounds like a walkie-talkie, but I guess early cell phones were basically long-distance <laughs> walkie-talkies. Uh, not much use either. So they're there at the gas station, Polly and Christopher. And uh, Christopher's already talking about how hungry he is, which is great, and how like he yeah. just wants to go and eat. And like First things first, ah, we'll make a day of it. We'll go, you know, we'll go bury him and then, uh, I don't know, have a grand old time, you and me. End of story. Yeah, um, they'll go to Atlantic City, play some blackjack, go to Morton's Steakhouse, like... That way they don't waste the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so uh, we know how that turns out. Uh, it, I think it does it kind of show the trunk. And I, I, I think kind of almost at the end of the scene, it sort of pans over. I, I was so expecting it to be like, bump, bump, hey, like already. Because, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, quite. there's even because there's a moment where like Polly says hi to like a family or something that walks by. And, and yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like tension throughout this episode, obviously, and then it gets even more tense when they're in the woods. But yeah, it does almost feel like a moment uh, where the trunk's gonna bust over and this guy's gonna jump out or start like a chase him down the road or something. Because uh, yeah, you, we're all waiting for it. Uh, then we got Tony with Melfi talking about how Gloria makes him happy. 
Uh, I think this is when he kind of uh, owns up to it and tells Melfi about the yeah. relationship. Uh, I, it I, is. And I like that she can't outright say, like, look, Gloria has this, this, and this issue, obviously, because it's her patient. They have confidentiality. But she'll just be like, does she seem happy? Uh, like, this, <laughs> you know, it's very leading. Like, and Tony's not picking it up. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, she's a put together woman. She reminds me of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, she's got the the great legs or whatever the fuck he says. Um, but I like she's kind of being like, look, she's crazy, and you're crazy. So what are you fucking doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, also note uh, this is good because. Melfi was freaking out about, like, both her idiot lying patients and t- telling him, like, it's up to you if you want to make any actual progress here or actually get anywhere. If you're honest with me or not, that's up to you. And he does, you know, he says, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm seeing someone. It's this person. The only reason he does that is that they had an uncomfortable moment on the boat. Like, that. Yeah. It's he's not actually sure. doing it for himself. He's just like... Well, this just happened, so I want to talk about this, and I'm annoyed. Um, so it's not really to further his therapy as such, but uh, but at least like you gotta if you're Melfi, you gotta be like fucking finally, okay, Tony, let's get going. Yeah. Um, but of course, he's he's just like, well, you know, she's Italian, that's great, and and she's like, what is this West Side Story? <laughs> yeah, stick yeah, to your she's own kind. You stick to your own kind. Um, so yeah, that that comes out. Uh, now they're in South Jersey. Chris is still hungry. They open up the trunk. The Russian is still alive. Um, and uh, what? They, oh, they, they just start walking him out into the woods. And what? Polly has the great idea. We'll make him dig his own grave. Um, now, would you dig your own grave? Because at that point, you already know you're going to die. You might as well just die, I guess. Right? I mean, just like I think Melfi says at some point that uh it was the last episode i guess but like everything i have to go off is movies and television like that's what they do in the films so i would make them do it and i would dig it hoping that i'd get out of it somehow (laughs) like uh but then at the same time i'm looking at these people these characters and it's like it's so clear that this guy's gonna fuck you up you could barely wrestle him down when it was the two of you and you're both standing like super close and he's yelling about how he dips, he cleans his ball with, with ice water and you're there shaking. So, uh, of course that was in Russian, but still, uh, so uh, I wouldn't hand him a shovel. I think at least that's what I feel looking at it from the outside. Yeah, that's right. They're so like, they're so out of their element. They're already like hungry and freezing and yeah, the Russians is going on and on about how this is no, this ain't no thing. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Uh, Polly tries to make a fun joke like, hey, don't they tell you not to wear pajamas in the winter or some shit? Uh, and then, yeah, he, he hits Christopher with the shovel, knocks Polly down, makes a run for it. They just start wildly shooting while they're running. Um, although Polly does get a at least a graze in the back of the guy's head. Uh, we, we see some little red mist in the piece of his skull go but he's still going this guy just won't fucking die now if you're talking about portraying people in a stereotypical manner this is a stereotypical <laughs> portrayal of a russian that you'll shoot them in the head and they'll just keep running from the motherland uh so yeah well uh, also like 
Uh, oh, yeah, okay. I was a bit confused with uh, what happens with uh, Chris there because he's running and shooting and he sort of stumbles. And at first I thought he, like, shot himself in the hand or something. But yeah. I did you pick up on that or do you, you think it's just blood from his cut in, on his head? I thought, like, at first the way it was edited and the way it would happen, I thought maybe Polly grazed him somehow because he was behind him shooting. But I guess yeah. he just kind of trips up in the snow. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, yeah. Um you know, they're incompetent, but they're hopefully not that incompetent. Mm-hmm. I thought he was literally, like, running in a weird way, so he shot himself in the hand. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, okay, maybe you don't know about the Cuban Missile Crisis, but you know about guns, and mm-hmm. I don't think you'd go that far down the hole, so to speak. They do shoot him in the head. It does look a lot like he's been shot in the head, but they do see him get up and run. Uh, so their, you know, solution is uh, let's just walk in a circle until we um, get lost forever. Yeah, because they follow the footsteps and the blood, and then they just stop. Everything stops, and they they don't know where he could be. Uh, Tony, I mean, Polly calls Tony, and this is where Tony's yelling if a package could survive in front of his son. <laughs> and it's so clear that, like, the code is kind of out the window because uh, it's like initially they're already like crossing the line because Paulie's like the package got up and hit Christopher in the head and made a run for it. <laughs> and then Tony's like, is there any way the package could survive? And he's screaming because they're, you know, they're getting interference on the call. It's not going through. AJ has to silently watch his TV show, knowing that his dad's talking about killing someone. Um, and then from there, it's just Paulie's like, let's just go. The squirrels will eat them anyways. Like <laughs> such shitty rationale. Yes. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, it, Chris is like, well, which way do we go? Polly points at his head. Hey, four years in the army. We follow our own footprints. And that doesn't work too well because they just go in a big circle. Uh, and yeah. now they don't like know Like they're where in they the are. fucking hundred acre yeah. woods uh, <laughs> trying to get out of it. They're stuck in the mist with the heffalumps. They have no idea because they went so fucking far, apparently. Um, now, I-, I wanted to ask when he's talking to Tony and Tony's like, is there a way the package could survive? Uh First, I thought, like, he, because he never wanted this to happen originally, I thought, oh, he's alive. Great. We can put this thing to bed. But I guess, looking back on it, did he want them to super kill him or to, like, wait, if he's still alive, can we, like, sort this out? Well, no, I think he was just mainly concerned about his meeting, where if the guy's still alive and he somehow gets back or gets word to Slava then Tony's walking into potentially a bad situation when he goes for his money meeting. Yeah, that makes sense. But if, I mean, if they called, when they originally called and he's, and they were like, oh yeah, it got out of hand, he's dead. And if they were like, oh, actually he's still alive. Tony would have been like, great, fucking let's give him 10 grand and hope that he like, you know, give him a bottle of vodka and uh, hope for the best or but maybe you just have to kill him immediately after you give him a slap. I don't know. Yeah, because I think if if it was to the point where, you know, they're like, oh, I think he's dead, but then he's alive, but they're still in the apartment, maybe you can somehow salvage the situation. But if he wakes up in the trunk, I don't think there's any, like, at that point, it's like, well, no, they were going to (laughs) go bury my body and keep it a secret. Like, I think you're past the point of no return once they wrap him in a rug and put him in the trunk, like, no matter what. Yeah, no, that's true. I I was just thinking, like, Tony didn't even hear the full story because the cell phone reception is so bad. So maybe he's like, wait, are you not? Is he not dead? Then how about we don't kill him? Uh, But, I mean, obviously, after the meeting, when he finds out he's an interior decorator, then he definitely (laughs) needs to die. And that's the next scene, uh, the meeting there. And it's such a convenient thing of, like, 
the guy's it, this hard Russian is even getting choked up about how much he loves this person. Like it's, <laughs> it's almost to a comical extreme that he's like, you know, he saved my life. He's like a brother to, for me. I'd do anything for this guy. He's the most important thing in my whole life. And then Tony just has to stare at him blankly like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, did, did he give the money? I told him to. He's like, ah, it wasn't there. <laughs> you know, he, he can't even give an inch on any of that because it's like, uh-oh, ooh, uh-oh, Andy's a fucking, you know, some sort of green beret or whatever the fuck. Uh, Andy's yeah. your right-hand man, apparently. <laughs> When he starts crying there, I thought like, okay, so he actually did get out and contact him and this is a trap because why would he be crying there unless he somehow knew that that guy was dead or like involved, but it's like, oh, he just drinks the alcohol. It's so sad. It's like, oh yeah, oh, cool. Um, but basically the, the gist of it is Tony gets to go out and make that phone call uh, to hilarious effects as heard in the opening clip. Yeah, and I guess we should point out that... Um they did have this character in the previous episode, so there was yeah. this weird little seed planted where we see he he was. It's interesting because Polly's clearly the instigator piece of shit in this scene, but they set this guy up almost in the previous episode like he's a piece of shit because he's just kind of like, you know, drunk, like all on Tony. Like he's not being directly, um, like he's not directly fucking with him, but it just seems like he's going to be a problem. And as we see, it does end up being a problem. Yeah. And uh, he, he made an impression like he wasn't in it a lot, but he was very clear. We were introduced to both of these characters. It seems now for the purpose of this episode, basically, yeah. uh, that we got to know them. And he came in like, oh, yes, very high level. Shh, oh, I yeah. keep secret. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a good introduction to plant him because I swear they could have done this episode without that, but it's much better having that established firsthand. Yes. Yeah. And then we have like the clip we heard at the top of the show with uh, the broken up conversation due to the phone and hilarious effect. He's an interior decorator. His house looked like shit. Um, yeah. And, and the source of that, he worked with the interior ministry. I did miss that on the first time around, but I still laughed yeah. <laughs> at the line because I knew like he definitely said something different. Or I was like, did Tony say like he like decorated the walls with their blood or something and that got chopped up? But then I rewatched it because I'm an idiot. And I, I'm like, it's bad cell phone yeah. reception in my head. And then uh, we have them kind of walking and what they're hearing like twigs. And they're kind of getting spooked because this guy oh, might yeah. be stalking them. And then they start running and shooting again. Now, I, I, I'm trying to get what am I supposed to get from this when they find the dead deer? Is it that they did shoot it? But Christopher's yeah. line is that, you know, if we were trying, we wouldn't have hit it. But since they were shooting wildly, it was like a lucky shot. Or do they think the Russian killed that deer and left it for him <laughs> as a sign? I think. That's uh, the first option there, the, the correct one, because yeah. uh, it's probably not that easy to shoot a deer with a handgun. Yeah. I also assume they like shot it and then it's kept running for a bit before falling as it's like behind something there. Uh, so yeah, that's my assumption. They know they're not hunters, but yeah. uh, it is like they couldn't they couldn't shoot the guy, huh? But they could shoot a deer. But uh, yeah, and that's when Polly falls I and he loses his shoe. Which is important because now he's walking around with only one shoe in the snow. Uh, it does say in the notes, I mean, I don't know how true this was. I guess it must be uh, that it wasn't like planned that it was going to be snowy. It just before they went to film, there was like a snowfall and it just kind of added yeah. to it. And I, it's 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 uh, so interesting because I can't picture this any other way. It does really add to the 
um, like how the the environment is like so much against them, and and they're so in like they're so out of their own environment in this new wild world here. It's like a white desert they're trapped in, and like the deep snow going through it, it all really works. Uh, my guess would be is that there would have been snow, but just not as much. Yeah, uh, that was what I assumed. Well, um, um, so and plus going back to the first the episode, uh, first. Uh, yeah. First episode of the season uh, with AJ and his poem, uh, Miles to Go Before I Sleep. What's the snow? Snow's white. And he's like, well, that's death. But it's like, well, but I thought black was death. Nope. <laughs> Snow's white too. So, hey, so it's all coming back together. Well, they do have miles to walk before they sleep. <laughs> um, so that does add up. And uh, so, of course, we can't go an episode this season without having Jack Jr. Uh, be a piece of shit yeah. uh, again here. So he's just putting on his putting on his deodorant there, his manly leather jacket perfume, and um, yeah, I'm just gonna go get my mom's car inspected with my buddy. Oh, he's a mechanic. Like he's really great at this bullshitting stuff, but it's all such surface bad bullshitting as well that everyone just sees through it or senses that it's not real. Um, and yeah, he's just gonna go because his friend's a mechanic, so he can only do it at night. And he still he hasn't learned anything. He got he didn't sh- bottom out. He didn't bottom yeah. out. That's the thing. He could have bottomed out. It doesn't make any sense that he would still be around Meadow, still doing the same thing after this. Like, it makes him such a weird character. Yes. Uh, Tony beat him up in a bathroom. He came to Tony on Christmas and did his apologies. And Tony even said, like, I don't know what to do with you. But he still thinks he's, like, slick and can handle everything. Uh, with this great story of getting his car inspected. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And now Chris and Polly are still in the woods. It's nighttime. Uh, Chris wants to eat the berries <laughs> on the tree. And Polly, I mean, in a smart move, he's like, no, don't, you don't just eat random berries. The <laughs> <laughs> Those could be well, poisonous. I, I swear I've had conversations like this in the woods, not in as dire situations, but it's like, are these are definitely the ones that aren't poisonous. Unless they're definitely the ones that are, because I recognize these ones, and I'm not sure if these were the ones we don't eat or the ones we do eat. So uh, they opt not to, and instead they find a van or a truck that doesn't have any back wheels on it because uh, someone just dumped it there, I guess. They get inside. I guess it would be a bit less cold. They're less exposed to the wind, at least, but it's still not super comfortable. Yes, yeah. Um, and then uh, we see the Soprano family is at dinner. AJ tells a great joke, uh, or or Tony ruins his joke, kind of. Um, shit, what was the joke? Like, hot tamale? Like, chili today, hot tamale? Uh, what's the weather yeah, like the in Mexico? the weather in Mexico. And then AJ's mm. friend said he made it up. Which that's a great moment because I've had those moments where someone tries to tell me they made up a clearly fucking thing that's been around forever. Uh, Gloria is setting up for her dinner. And I like that Tony has all these things stacking up against him. But they're all kind of they're all kind of very minute, especially in comparison to what Polly and Chris are dealing with, like potentially freezing to death. But Tony has to be like, oh, no, I need to make it up to Gloria, my side piece. I got to get to my steak dinner at nine o'clock. But here I am dealing with my family dinner and potentially uh, Christopher and Polly. And then as we see, Carm, Carm's uh, parents come and her dad has glaucoma. So he's going to stick around for coffee. 
Uh, things are going yeah, crazy I, I will for say, sitcom Tony. Uh, all this time, uh, even with the tension in the woods, I'm like, what time is it? What fucking time is it? Because you're going to be late, Tony. And they do have a clock on the wall that shows that it's, I believe it's like 20 to 8 when he sits down for coffee. Uh-huh. So at that point, I'm like... This is fine. You can make it, right? Where does she live? In fucking Boston? Like, yeah. <laughs> how are you three hours late? Because uh, he does show up three hours late. Just have a cup of coffee and go like, oh, yeah, glycoma. Oh, I got this work thing. Oh, but I uh, guess it didn't work out that way. So he arrives three hours late. Because that means if he's three hours late, then, yeah, he's been sitting there for like four hours with his uh, family. I guess it makes sense, though, because it's one of those moments where, and especially what we know about, like, Carm's mother because she's even like yelling at Tony for swearing on the phone um, yeah. is that yeah it's this let's talk this out and it is a big deal like you know her dad has glaucoma but I'm sure Tony's like ugh he has to sit as they're all talking out what they're going to do what's the next step how do we get this fixed and meanwhile he's like oh my god I got a Gloria dinner to get to uh, but Chris finds a Nathan's bag speaking of dinner and they find some condiments in there, and uh, Chris and Polly are <laughs> sucking ketchup and mustard out of packets because they're starving. <laughs> yes, and I, you know, I love one of the things that's the best about the episode is the mix of them sort of fucking with each other, but also there's this camaraderie of them being in this together in this ridiculous situation that's completely their own fault together, but uh, still it comes out in moments like, oh yeah, try mixing it with the ranch, like mix the <laughs> ketchup and the ranch or whatever he says. Yeah, the relish. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, the relish. Or like when they're making their like cloak out of the uh, carpeting in the back of the van and, and and moments like that when they're like actually on the same side uh it's uh kind of uh adorable yes except then when Polly does call tony and he sees that chris mm. might be napping he starts being like excuse me uh your nephew you know he doesn't know how to handle situations that's all i'm gonna say yeah planting some Sometimes seeds he thinks, acts before thinking yeah and as we find out later he actually heard that yeah so uh pretty bad for you Ollie. it's it's i mean we may as well get like the um, the climactic scene it feels like it's the climactic scene where uh where he threatens him with the gun there like there's a bunch of great short scenes in between where they're arguing about like oh he's definitely dead and and this and that and everything but when uh when christopher like pulls the gun on him and everything. What I sense there is a shift in their whole power dynamic because it's almost worse that he laughs at him than that. And it's like Junior said at the start of the show, like you better come in here heavy. Uh, it's a sign of respect. So when he pulls the gun on him, you're like you cocksucker, that's something. But then he's just like, <laughs> like starts laughing there. Um, and that when you look at Polly when he pulls back, that's like something's changed there yes yeah and it starts with when christopher just starts pissing outside his window and um polly's like you know i don't want to smell your piss do it on your side and then he has he does specifically say uh you know captain or not you're we're both just two assholes in the woods so yeah there is they're losing that power dynamic there's no pulling rank anymore you're just another guy and he even uh, i like how he's like you know, I just run off into the woods. You know, I'm. You know how fast I am. Uh, so, and I'll just leave <gasps> you leave here. Him, yeah. Like he threatens to leave him. Like it's even worse than having to kill him. But yeah, they get this like cabin fever, where he, you know they're against each other because Chris heard what he said, but then in his mind he's like he's gonna strangle me while I'm sleeping. 
Uh, and in a weird way, like it's not that weird. It, I do believe it. Like Paulie would do that. He would strangle him and then be like, you know, your 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 your, your nephew lunged at me. The I guess the only reason probably why he wouldn't is because of that more personal relationship that Tony has with Christopher. But it is great that these two, uh, you know, tough mafiosos are kind of at their wits end because they're stuck in the woods. Now, when I originally wa- I remember originally watching this when it aired and I, it was very tense to me because especially even when they're like Chris is getting out of the van and then he's outside and then they're in the van. I kept waiting for the Russian to like pop up at the window. I thought I really thought this Russian guy was going to show up again and like take one of them out. I mean, as we know, it doesn't happen. But I mean, did you pick up any tension like that watching the scenes? Um, yeah, although it got to a point where they're in the van and I'm like 80% sure the Russian got in their car and drove off. <laughs> and then by the end of the episode, or rather when Tony shows up, I'm like 95% on that. So that's kind of, and I start thinking that like around the time they see the dead deer, it's like, yeah, this guy, I, I guess it's possible he's dead, but that's not what I would put my money on. So, so I I guess there, there's definitely that tension uh, for sure, though, when they're in there and everything. But it just it wouldn't have made sense for the Russian to come up and try to attack both of them anyway, because yeah. they have the guns and everything. I thought, if anything, he'd be hiding. Like when they see the bloodstains end, I thought, yeah, he climbed up the tree like Ruin Hunger Games or something. <laughs> uh, but uh, that also didn't make any sense. So uh, I'm not 100 percent what to think there. Uh, so yeah, then Meadow can't find Jackie. She's trying to call him. Then she asks her friend to use the car to go looking for him. And, you know, we kind of cut around, but we see she's waiting like outside. I don't know if it's his house. I assume, I guess it's his house or apartment. Um, and then she's even second guessing herself. Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I just as bad as him? But her suspicions are confirmed when Jackie walks out with a blonde chick and it almost, I almost was wondering if they're going to pull a thing where it's like not what it seems, but I mean, I guess it is, but it's almost like, cause he walks out and they're just very, it's not like they're like arms around each other or anything. It's just kind of very like they're next to each other or whatever. I don't, maybe it's cause she's a prostitute who knows. Uh, but Meadow confronts him and, uh, Meadow's friend calls the girl a bitch. She's like, what would you say? Bitch. And it's one of those. And then they drive away. And then Jackie has to be like, do you know, you know, whose daughter that is. It's like, yeah, do you know whose daughter that is? Because you're <laughs> yeah. constantly fucking up, you dumb piece of shit. What are you doing? <laughs> yes, very true. And just to wrap up that storyline, we do get Meadow uh, being seen to by the school nurse or like, is she actually in a hospital? It, yeah, I was thinking that too. It must be the school nurse because they're not really in a hospital setting. And it's, it is interesting. It's kind of like a flip now uh, that Caitlin comes in and she's kind of more reasonable and rational. And Meadow is the yeah. teary, like melodramatic because she's even like, he's not, he's great. You don't always like growing yeah. up with our families. And I get like that right. is kind of something anyone would do a girl or a boy you're you know you're betrayed by your partner and you start making excuses cuz I guess you don't want it to be over even though it clearly is. 
Yes. Um, so uh, clearly isn't, though, because if I know anything about uh, Jackie Jr., he's a floater. We'll be seeing him for the next couple episodes. Just try to flush him down. He won't ever go away. Um, so uh, let's talk about the other parts there. I do have to call out when Christopher is trying to light a fire by rubbing oh, sticks together. Yes. Uh, it's so great. And that's sort of where he hears a twig snapping and he has to go back. But it's like... That's never going to happen, but I love your dedication, Christopher. <laughs> it's so great because it's clear, like, it's not like he's pulling from any type of real knowledge. He just yeah. knows that some people, you can rub sticks together and somehow make a fire, so he just kind of gets some sticks, and he's rubbing them together, but it's not going to work. Uh, Tony, I mean, meanwhile, Tony, Tony does show up to glory as he's late. He does kind of turn it around, and they have sex, but then he's lounging in his Moroccan hoodie, and he gets a call from Polly, which it does make sense. Like at this point, uh, Tony should have been kind of aware, like, okay, we need to go. If they're still stuck in the woods, I guess he didn't quite understand the full extremity of the situation because Polly's like, I'm calling Tony. And Chris is like, you're going to piss him off. Uh, and yeah. it gets to the point where he even he's like, put my nephew on the phone. Uh, all right. I need to go help them. Gloria freaks out, throws a stake off the back of his head. Uh, which, according to Wikipedia, Steve Buscemi had to do because uh, Annabelle Sciorra, the actress who plays Gloria, or the prop handlers were not able to hit Tony with the uh, stake. So <laughs> Buscemi successfully hit him right in the back of the head. And I, I do like that moment, though, because he stops. And I was, and even though I've seen it before, I couldn't remember. I was just like, is he going to is he gonna go and choke her or some shit? Is, yeah. uh, but he just gives her a look. And, you know, I don't get time for this shit. And he leaves and then she kind of trashes the rest of her dinner because she's not just some fucking whore. You think you're going to come here and fuck me and leave? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And he almost he's like smiling or almost laughing there as well, because you're right. There is a tension of like, is he going to go do something or he kind of decides to laugh it off because he can't leave going like, I'm so mad. He has to leave like this is you're such so crazy like this is hilarious to me because if it obviously it does make him annoyed but he has to choose which way to go there kind of similar to um to christopher with the gun against Polly there because uh, he has to pick how real is am i going to make this um i will say as far as the phone call it felt like to me what is this uh is this a one-man operation? The boss has to handle everything himself? Yeah. Like, is Tony the only phone number in your phone, Polly? And this is the point where we have to question, where is Polly's fucking crew? Because apparently yeah. he doesn't have anyone who could he could call. But I guess if they're this incompetent, anyone below them is going to be just worse. So they, they bring it up the ladder to Tony, who uh, does manage to uh, fix it, basically. By, and I get, uh, pulling and I get... in the cavalry in Bobby. Yeah, and I guess that also uh, the Silvio being sick kind of works here as well because it's like, well, why wouldn't you call Silvio? Uh, it's like, no, he's out of commission. And then maybe it is another case of like if he did call like Patsy Parisi or one of those underlings, it would, you know, very similar to how Chris and Paulie's dynamic is changing. Would that make them respect them even less because now they see them in this like in this state lost in the woods? Uh, I mean, but I think good. Yeah, I just think Polly would care so much more about Tony's opinion in that case. True. You know, he yeah. I I would have thought he would have done anything to keep Tony from uh, seeing him as any less capable than he is, even though he's already fucking up the situation. Um, so uh, yeah, 
Uh, but it's interesting. He does call Tony. It makes it feel like a family operation. You got to get the CEO down there to get his hands dirty uh, when the copier breaks, I guess, because he's the only one who knows how to sort it. Well, him and Bobby, who does show up uh, in gear and Junior's involved as well. I do like that basically the whole gang has to get together to fix this. Yeah, and it's it's weird because it feels like we haven't seen Junior in a long time. So it's nice to see him again. Um, and then, yeah, they're waiting for Bobby and Bobby shows up and he's in full gear he's got his like uh like orange like uh vest with his like camo underneath tony starts cracking up and there is actually a story behind that and we could let steve sharippa tell us the story himself real quick hold on perfect Uh, yeah let me pull it up whoops all right there we go uh, there was a, a scene that uh, was in the third season when uh, he calls me to go and help him, and I come in with the hunting outfit, the Pine Barrens episode. Did you call Bobby? He's on his way. And he said, you know, you better know how to make me laugh tomorrow morning because, you know, he had a fo- I had to walk in with his hunting outfit, which he had already seen, and I had to be funny. So I told the prop guy, I said, listen, uh, do you have any dildos, you know? And he found me the biggest dildo. It looked like an Italian bread. And when I come into that room, which is the scene you see, I'm off camera, and you see Jim basically fall over laughing on the counter. And you could almost catch Dominic being easy, crack a smile. That was a funny scene. We had a lot of laughs that day. Oh, that's great, because, yeah, you almost see, like, uh, jun- Junior's kind of making, I mean, now I'm in new context, maybe he's really kind of like, oh, come on. Come on, guys. We're fucking actors. What are you doing? You got a big <laughs> dildo on your fucking, uh, that you're holding, your piece of shit? <laughs> was he holding it or was it a strap-on dildo? Oh, no, it was a strap-on. No, you're right. You got a big dildo okay. hanging out. Come on, guys. Can we respect the art form? <laughs> yeah, or he's trying not to laugh. Yeah. Uh, it depends on your interpretation there. But it is, even without the dildo, it's pretty funny when he walks in there and he's all geared up and uh, Tony just starts laughing. And it's extra funny because... Like it's not bad enough. You gotta wake me. I gotta break. My, you gotta break my balls too. And he's like, even I have my limits or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Because like last episode, he was forced to be Santa Claus, and this character is so growing on me as well. Like over this season, because he comes in like just this fat idiot, and I mean that's kind of the role he plays as well. But it's just his little comments of like, I got feelings too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like all these things that make him such a well-rounded character. And as well, the whole thing with his father and all of that. So uh, I'm on his team. Yeah, and they, they do a good job because then we have, they kind of have a nice scene in the car where, you know, Tony thanks him for taking care of his uncle. Um, because, I mean, he, he kind of second guesses it too because Bobby talks about how him and his dad used to go out hunting and that's kind of where he learned a lot of the stuff. So it's a nice reminder his father recently passed. Tony thanks him for taking care of his uncle. And then, you know, Bobby says how much Junior loves Tony and how he talks about him all the time. And then uh, it's just a nice sweet moment where he's like, you know, sometimes I wish he was my uncle. (laughs) And he does manage to get a joke in there that doesn't land at all as well. Yeah. Uh, Think about bare left and et cetera. Super hilarious. Um, so, yeah, meanwhile, things are escalating in the van. I think we basically talked about what happens there. They arrive, but, like, there's nothing they can do because it's the middle of the night. They can't reach them on the phone, of course. So uh, then there we got the whole gun pointing going on. And it ends with, like, like you mentioned, the whole gun pointing, the whole escalation, it ends with him saying, like, I could run away and leave you here. And 
like you said, it's wor- a worse threat than like choking him or, or shooting him. But because Polly's genuinely leave me, and he's like, I won't leave you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, it's kind of sweet. Um, so is that basically the end of the that night? Like it's the next day after that, I think. Yeah, because then yeah, Tony and Bobby basically have to wait it out. Uh, then it's the next day. Daylight comes, and um, Polly puts together his own little makeshift shoe. And they just start wandering again. Uh, Tony and Bobby are looking for him. But then when Polly freaks out because his shoe won't stay on and he starts shooting it, uh, it kind of gives them an idea where they're at and they were able to find each other. Yeah. And then they're like, what were you shooting at? Yeah. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, doesn't matter because, you know, he was really at he reached quite a breaking point because I like how he even plays that out with like his hands are shaking and he can't tie like the thread back on of the rug and he's just so crazy at the point he's just going to shoot this piece of fabric because he just can't handle it anymore yeah and back in the car um he does repeat that you know he just lunged at us Polly says and tony turns to christopher's like yeah yeah he lunged at us like to be fair, even if he was ratting Polly out, he wouldn't do it in front of him. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like a big thing, but it's still like, yeah, okay, because we've been through some shit. I know you tried to pin it on me, but like, uh, we've been through some shit now, man. So they, I'm all for them being like the new comedic power couple. And by the way, throughout this episode, I had flashbacks to the um, whole thing with the poison ivy in season one because that again is them running through the woods just shooting blindly after someone and that's like 90% of this episode yes yeah absolutely Um, and yeah they have like you know they get in the car they're able to eat Tony has to be like uh, mayonnaise mayonnaise on your chin like I don't get the quite the uh, what they're going for there but uh, Polly is looking out at the woods um kind of reminded me of when he was like mad at Italy when Italy didn't quite work out well for him and he was staring out the window and it's bizarre like I know why they have to go to Tony and Melfi but it really feels like the episode should end here but it kind of comes back a little awkward in my opinion with Tony and Melfi where he has to go over how he had a fucking roast beef thrown at his head um although it is one of my one of my favorite like line not not necessarily lines but just the way gandolfini delivers it where he's like why does everything got to be so hard um you know i do i do right by my family does that count for anything i've used that in the intro for my show jim and them before but then again like looking at it now in this context it's like he's not really doing that right by his family so he is the one making it hard for himself uh so i'm looking at it yeah. in a little bit more of a new light uh and then of course then melfi talks about how does does Gloria remind you of anyone, these people that you choose to have in your life? Yeah. Um, as far as the mayonnaise, my my read on it was, like, that's him. Like, if someone tells you you got shit on your face, that's one step up from, like, Yours is, your fucking flies undone, you scrub. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like him getting a lowered status as a, as a result of all of this. At least that's how he would feel. And... Like the the next like when he's turning to look out the window, if you have subtitles on, it will say in parentheses like opera music playing as he's just looking out, super annoyed at the trees. Uh, so you're right, that would have been a great endpoint. At the same time, it makes sense to get that final scene in there as well. Like logistically, they couldn't have put it anywhere else because 
this was the day after it had to be um it could have been next episode i guess but um but i guess it makes sense the way they do it it's a good ender though who does it remind you of we all know the answer he doesn't have to say it we can just fade to black yeah no i agree and and, i mean one thing i want to talk about i think kind of we have to since we're here on this episode um and i know like you're going in uh unsullied jacob but i might have to sully this question for you if anyone else is going week to week and you don't want to know the answer to this question that's fine to turn off now because i mean we're almost at the end anyways but i feel like we need to get this question of what happened to the russian are you okay if i tell you um well first off do do turn it off uh I just want to say, before you turn it off, dear listener, do leave us a review at uh, iTunes. That's uh, uh, Cuts of Black on iTunes. You can also find more from Jim at jimandumma.com and me from ospedia.org. And uh, you can also send an email to shows which you know show at gmail.com. Uh, so as far as well, uh, the Russian, I... Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, the only question I'll answer, I'm not going to say anything specific. Uh, the only question I'll answer is, the question is like, do we see the Russian again? Well, the... the uh, so we're going to answer this now, listener. You know, yes. Wikipedia is a shit sometimes because they do have great facts. But just scrolling past it, I saw like theories on the Russian. What happened to the Russian? And I'm yeah. like, well, that te- well, thanks, Wikipedia. Even though I didn't read it, it's like, well, you just told me he doesn't show up again, and I would have thought that he would. So that felt a bit shit. Yes, yes. I, I just I did want to get that out of the way because rather than like if we wait till we covering the last episode and then we'll be like the Russian, huh? Uh, yes, the Russian does not come back up again. Um, there's not really like a definitive does, answer. Uh, I don't think it's bad that he doesn't come up, but it does, knowing it now makes it feel worse. Like it, it cheapens it a bit because this was a big deal. He was walking into this meeting and all of that. And now it's like, oh, so what was the consequence then in the end? Uh, I believe there was a very similar thing about, uh, well, about Big Pussy, if he was dead or not. And that was a huge deal. Obviously, he came back alive for a bit. Um, but yeah, it is a bit disappointing. Although, looking at it in the broad scheme, it makes sense not to have it back up. It's really just knowing it right now that's a bit disappointing for me. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. Like, It was this running thing because as as Sopranos goes on, too, it becomes like longer and longer between seasons um and it was always like when we get into a season everyone the big everyone's always like are we gonna see the russian this year so over the next i mean what was it this was in like early this season premiered in 2001 the show itself ended in 2007 so over the next six years anytime there was new sopranos everyone was always like oh shit the russian we're gonna find out what happened to the russian um, and yeah, it doesn't come back up again. That's the, I mean, obviously since it doesn't come back up, that's the only reason why I want to at least talk about it because it's like, we were just randomly bringing up later. Uh, and there's a few quotes on it from some of the writers like Terrence winter. That's the question I get asked more than any other. It drives people crazy. Where's the Russian? What happened to the Russian? We could say, well, he got out and there's a big mob war with the Russians or he crawled off and died, but we want to keep it in- ambiguous. You know, not everything gets answered in life. Uh, David Chase said, they shot a guy. Who knows where he went? Who cares about some Russian? This is what Hollywood's done to America. <laughs> Do you have closure on every little thing? Fucking David is- Chase. 
<laughs> That's just the answer to everything. Like, yeah. what you want to know what happened to a character? Like, and I get it because this is very clear in this episode or in general that like you've said it a bunch of times. But like, come on, what do you think this is a mob show or something? Like, it's yeah. clearly not about the mob shit. And it's like, well, we want to know what happened to that mobster. Like, he's like. Pfft. Do you? Do you not want to watch a dream sequence? <laughs> like, fuck off. This is what Hollywood does to America. <laughs> yeah, this is perfect because it does line up with a lot we've been talking about this season that David Chase has really been trying to rub our face and shit. And yeah, do, do you have to have closure on every little thing? Isn't there any mystery in the world? It's a murky world out there. It's a murky life these guys lead. And by the way, I do know where the Russian is, but I'll never say because so many people get so pissy about it. David Chase hates us, but it's like we love that he hates us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I wouldn't have guessed that, uh, but it makes so much sense. I bet he's... You know, the thing is, if he did survive, it shit would have gone down with these Russians, it feels like. But these Russians weren't in this show two episodes ago also. Mm. So I feel like he could have come out and he said to the other Russian guy, Tony's tried to kill me uh, or his crew. And, and the boss said, oh, but we do great business with those. And also, you're a, let this be a wake-up call to you. Go back to Russia and stop drinking. And then he goes back and he drinks himself to death or becomes like a Green Beret. And he's like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to kill those sons of bitches. And then he gets hit by a train. Like, there's that's probably what happened, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, because then he, in 2008, like, they were still asking about it, even though he was like, I'll never say. And he goes, okay, so this is what happened. Some Boy Scouts found the Russian who had the telephone number to his boss, Slava, in his pocket. They called Slava, who took him to the hospital where he had brain surgery. Then Slava went back to Russia. <laughs> uh, I can't tell if he's fucking with us, but that's part of the charm, I guess. Because I had heard, I've heard two rumors. I don't see the, the this other rumor I heard on the wiki, so maybe this is just secondhand garbage someone made up. But I have heard a similar story to Boy Scouts found him, and supposedly there was going to be a scene where we see the Russian again, and he like works at a preschool. But since he got shot in the head, he doesn't remember who he, like he's someone else now or something like that. Uh, and that was going to be their answer. Uh, um, one of, uh, is it, is it Tony Sirico that plays Pauly? Yeah. Tony Sirico said, he said that they, a tease had been in the works where they had a scene in the season where Chris and I are talking a, a, in the bar about whatever happened to the Russian guy. And in the script, we're supposed to go outside and there he was standing on the corner. But when we went to shoot it, they took it out. I think David didn't like it. He wanted the audience to suffer. So supposedly they were going to shoot some scene where he's just kind of like stalking them always. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, it's not a thing. It doesn't come up again. Yeah. I mean, if that was the alternative, I'm glad it doesn't come up again. Uh, yeah. And really, even if he did get saved by Boy Scouts, doesn't matter uh, at all to the story, I guess. I mean, the, the only thing is for me, there was still something of like, Tony is like, if this comes up again and it bites us in the ass, it's going to be on you, Polly. And it's like, well, it doesn't. So it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that really stood out to me on this rewatch. I was like, oh, wow. They, it's like David Chase can't blame us because the episode makes yeah. it, especially that, if he didn't have that line, I'd think he'd have more of an argument of like, who cares? But the episode is mm -hmm. like, this is on you. You're dealing with all the fallout. So it really feels like this is something that's going to come back and bite him in the ass, especially because it was all Paul. It was completely Polly's fault. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. 
Well, we we touched on that. We've also touched on the fact that it's a great episode, and we went into details about that at the top. So beyond that, uh, best episode of all time. What do you think, dear listener? Mm-hmm. I already did the spiel, but basically, you can let us know in an email to shows what you know show at gmail dot com. That's one of the two main ways to contact us. Just send pop us an email, tell us what you think about the end of the season and what we should watch uh, in between seasons. Uh, that's shows what you know show at gmail dot com. You can also leave a little message in an iTunes review. That would be much appreciated. Preferably five stars, but hey, we're not your captain. We're not your capo. What are we going to do? Tell you what to do? Uh, we'll try. We'll try, but it might be like Paul. You might be pointing a three-star gun at our head. Let's hope not. Uh, but yes, do leave a review on iTunes regardless. It really helps us out. Yes, absolutely. And there's only one thing left to be said. What's that? Cut to black. <laughs> <laughs>